Jamie Lee Curtis must place a winner's wreath around this person's neck. In honor of <laughs> Natalie Dormer's The Forest, who is the prevailing modern scream queen, even if she has only starred in one horror movie? I'm Katie Rich, and The Babadook is one of the few horror movies in recent years I could even watch, and Essie Davis is great in it, so I pick her. Hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I liked Micah Monroe from It Follows a Lot. I hope she doesn't ruin Independence Day, but that her character is terrified the whole time. I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Jessica Chastain, who can obviously play creepy because we saw her in Crimson Peak. But don't forget Mama, which is a very scary movie. Mama. Uh, I'm Joanna Robinson. My pick is also Micah Monroe, but I can't pick it. So I'm going to pick Karen Gillan and Oculus, which is a terrible, wonderful horror movie that's currently on Netflix that you should watch with a lot of drinks and friends. It's really, really good, bad, great. <laughs> but it's no Mama. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 101 for Wednesday, January 6th, 2016. It's a new year. It's a new episode. It's the birthday of Rowan Atkinson, a.k.a. Mr. Bean, which is something that Dave has informed me. It's no longer the year of our Time Lord, Dr. Emmett Brown. There's just a lot going on. And uh, before we get started, two things. Uh, We have not replaced David with Joanna, but Joanna is happily uh, joining us tonight. Joanna, people always assume you're on the podcast permanently anyway, so... (laughs) <laughs> it's good to have you come by once in a while. I could never replace David. I don't have that much anger in me. <laughs> we'll see by the end of this episode. Uh, David will be back eventually. And also, we have not skipped a quarter quell. We are just uh, pulling it together. So even though we passed the 100th episode, don't fret. We have a special episode coming up. We will celebrate. It's uh, Yeah, the holidays and 100th episode happening at the same time in top tens made it a little difficult. But we'll get there, we promise. We have a good one in store. And we also have some reviews that, uh, Patches, I think you're going to share in David's yes. absence. Holiday gifts. One is very, is a stocking stuffer. Um, <laughs> Sean, dot, dot, so- dot, dot, dot. Oh, no. Christmas has just begun for oh, a war room. <laughs> Christmas 2. Mama. Um, Sean, dot, 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 says, one of my favorites. Top notch. Well. Thanks. Well put. Sure. Love it. Why, what is, what is top notch? It's the notch of what? Uh, On the top of your bedpost? Belt? Oh. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up, but Patches reads the next It would be a high high notch. I'm going to say hanging hanging something. Yes, everyone put in your guesses for what that even means. Um, Uh, Bedpost is, I'm sticking with it. And and the next review is very appropriate from Derek Doc. Subject is more Joanna. Ah. (laughs) Perfect. We're delivering already, 2016. Um, Derek Doc says, only podcast I don't miss an episode of. Other than Serial, that's a high compliment, uh, I find I at least agree with one or two hosts when it comes to a particular release or topic, and I like that it varies depending on the week. Some days I'm all in on blockbuster geekdom with Dave, and some days I'm defending artistic integrity in an indie with David. The whole cast is great, even when I don't agree with them, but I'll be honest, fellas, and and Katie, Mm. don't forget Katie. (laughs) It was sounding great, but I could have used a little bit more Joanna. I have a fever, and the only prescription is more Joanna. I guess I was supposed to do that in my Christopher Walken impression, but I decided not to. Not to creep Joanna out even more. Than probably. <laughs> I wish I was ringing a cowbell right now. Has been ringing down. So, Derek, you get your wish. Joanna's here. 
and the rest of us are going to leave, and she's going to monologue. <laughs> I am the cowbell of the podcast. <laughs> she's just going to play cowbell for an hour. That would um, be a triumph. No one seems to know where Top Notch came from, but uh, there are some guesses about hurdling. Like, if you uh, have the uh, notch on the top hurdle, if you have the hurdle on the top notch, then you, uh, you've jumped the highest. Oh. So, uh, yeah. No one seems to know, but if, if you know, please write in. And put uh, it in your review. And put it in your review on iTunes. Uh, we love hearing them, and we will read them, and then you can uh, all t- you can teach us all something about language. Or fake definitions for top-notch. Yeah, but also we accept those. Top-notch, top-notch, On MTV, a, a new television series premiered, and I'm watching television because really there are no movies to talk about in January. Uh, the yeah. Forest, where oh, the David forest. Ehrlich is right now. I'll watch Mama again. Thank you very much. Mama? Uh, yes, Mama. Uh, no, on MTV, the Shanara Chronicles premiered. Um, I was very excited to see this show for some reason. Despite it being on MTV, no offense, Dave, and Dave is probably going to keep silent here so he can keep his job at MTV. Um, but no offense, Dave. MTV is a great company. We love them. We love them. But the Shana really love Teen Mom, especially. Yeah, exactly. Love Teen Mom. Not a big fan of Teen Wolf, which I've seen like two or three episodes of. Um, you know, I not exactly. Teen Mom. Teen Mom OG. Teen Mom OG is my favorite. Yeah, Aww. definitely. But uh, well, then you'll love the Shannara Chronicles. <laughs> uh, it has a lot in common with Teen Mom. No, you know, I was skeptical about this. This uh, this has been a project that's been long, long in development. I think um, the first book that this fantasy series is based off, Terry Brooks's series, was written back in 1977. So this is predating all the YA material that is definitely informing MTV's take on this fantasy series. Um, But uh, WB picked up the rights probably a decade ago, I think, and has been trying to make movies out of it. You know, after Lord of the Rings, I think everyone wanted a fantasy property and people grabbed the Shannara Chronicles, which were liberally, not plagiarizing, but, uh, you know, uh, tipping their hats to Lord of the Rings. The first book that Terry Brooks wrote was kind of chastised by critics, I think, for just stealing Bilbo Baggins and making him an elf and then having almost the exact same adventure. Um, And the Shannara Chronicles are actually based on the second book of this series, The Elf Stones of Shining Rock Chronicles, just to make sure it's extra nerdy. And holy (laughs) shit, this television show is super nerdy. Um, Clearly, it's supposed to be the YA version of Game of Thrones. Uh, from down from like the political families and the dark forces at work, uh, but whereas Game of Thrones does not have magic, where magic is slowly, finally seeping back into this world that uh, long forgot that kind of that lore, things beyond the wall we don't talk about, um, and, and we start seeing that now, only now, seasons into Game of Thrones. Oh man, the magic is just slamming you in the face. In the Shannara Chronicles, this is some nerd ass shit. Um, it's it's starring a bunch of elves. They all have pointy ears. They're all dreamy and staring at each other just to make sure it's an MTV show. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't believe like this is the epitome of everything. Uh, like Tumblr distills from Comic Con panel gifts. You know, this is 
an insane show. I made sure Joanna watched it. Couldn't convince Dave to do it. I understand it. Um, but Joanna, <laughs> t- talk to me about the Shannara Chronicles because it knocked me over. <laughs> I'm like drunk on how much they talk about demons. Wait, did you like? Did you, you like love it? it? Yeah, this is. I can't figure spinning out if you like it. From watch. I, do I <laughs> like it? Do I like it? Uh, I'm, I'm back and forth. I I think I am positive on this. So yeah, the the gist of the show is that this um, lady elf wants to be part of the first the chosen who protects a magical tree, which is also the oh pr- imp- like <laughs> containment unit to use a Ghostbusters phrase for <laughs> demons who long ago uh, like were scourge across the four lands and the united forces of uh, man and dwarf and and ogre and I don't, who gives a shit the demons are far away and the elves have to protect this tree because if the tree dies uh, then the demons come back is this and- like Avatar? No, but yes <laughs> um, and then there's another there's like a dreamy elf boy who is yeah. actually part of the lineage? If you read the first book, they make a lot of references to things that have happened in the past. Half, half elf. Yeah, he's a half elf, half he's man. Halfling. Yeah, he's, he's related to the Shanara lineage, and he carries the elf stones. We don't know oh what God. they do, but luckily the druid who's been asleep for like a hundred <laughs> years since the last battle finds him, takes him to the tree. They're all gonna like go hunting for demons, and holy shit! Uh, but I, I like. The audacity, I like, I mean, people who listen to this show know that I get off on just seeing how much stuff you can cram into a series like this and still make it palpable. I think I'm into the characters. I'm into, um, God, if I could remember any of their names, that would be great. The dreamy boy is named Will. That's kind of easy. And there's Amberly, a rich main princess who is also a warrior and badass, uh, I guess. Eritrea? Eritrea is, she is... Yeah, Eritrea. Well, I think they pronounce it Eritrea, but she's yeah. a rover, so she's just like she's Alfred. a thief, right? She was the little girl in Pan's Labyrinth, all grown up now. Oh, oh yeah. Beautiful. Oh, she's um, stunning. Okay, and so she's here's my issue. here's my issue. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, is it Shanara? I thought it was Shanara. The Shanara Chronicles. I can't say it right. Shanara, Shanana. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Shannara, but uh, whatever it is, um, everyone's a little too pretty for me. And it's MTV, and it's they're trying to you know expand on their Teen Wolf success. So I understand, but like when even I mean John Reese Davies is there, and he's obviously you know pretty in his own weird way, but not like Abercrombie pretty. But there's just too many Abercrombie people in in this show. And the the, the 100 had the same like a similar problem when it started, and. The 100 actually ended up grabbing they killed all the dreamy characters. Well, <laughs> no they did kill a lot of dreamy characters, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, when even like the uncles are super dreamy and they're really tight elven sweaters, right. I, no one know. ages, so everyone can be hot. <laughs> yeah, this, oh, this sounds very much like Twilight. <laughs> it's better, it feels- it's better than the early Twilight movies. It's not as well, oh, actually, here's something funny. It's gorier than Game of Thrones. What? It is gorier than any YA pro- – it's gorier than Hunger Games. It's gorier than any YA movie. It's, it's definitely – we live in a post-Walking Dead world. People are getting their heads cut off. The demons are like these beasts with skulls and like, like crazy slobbering stuff. The demons and, are actually people versus uh, like CG. It reminds me of like, yeah. the Lord of the Rings movies when the the Urukai were people versus when they were CG in the Hobbit. Like I really like that this is these are people. The main and bad guy is fucking scary. He raises yeah. this like yeah. Uh, uh, I mean something out of Magic the Gathering. These bursting, flaming rock temple out, and he's just 
laughing like a madman. Oh, he's out of demon prison or something. So, like, listen, listen, maybe I'm just too old for this business. Um, <laughs> None of us are retarded so audience for this. Let's be <laughs> but Manu Bennett, who plays like the druid who's been woken from this ice Oh my sleep, God, Manu Bennett's in this. Yeah, yeah, he was so <laughs> great. He, like, speaking of which, he was like a fighting Urukai and he was on Arrow and great on Arrow. And I really kids. love him. Uh, yeah, I really love him. Uh, so if this show were more about him, that'd be great. But the main character is Austin Butler, who is played by Austin Butler, who was in the Carrie Diaries and also Arrow. And I am not a fan of of him no, personally. He's constantly giving dreamy looks. I'm hoping that he steps up his game a little bit and is yeah. not male modeling around. The other the other thing is we're so trained by Game of Thrones for the certain aesthetic. Like I think it's really ingrained now. And this is an overload. We're just. We haven't seen this. Like, even the Hobbit films are not, they're very gritty and serious. That's kind of why people latched on to um, the, yeah, or the, or the I Rings. Think I, wish, I think I wish it were grimier. Ah, I think I wish it I, were grimier. I like that a go, I mean, you need to take insulin after seeing this show because not only are the people glowing and, and gorgeous, but it's so full of color and it's so crazy. It's more like Xena and Hercules on crack than it is. It actually, did you ever see it? Did you ever see Legend of the Seeker? Yeah. No, yeah. it's a lot like that. It reminds me a lot of Legend of the Seeker, only the with a, yeah, a million times the budget. I'm, uh, I'm surprised how cinematic it feels. Like, this feels bigger than Hunger Games to me. I mean, the story is obviously supposed to be feel bigger, but... It feels I, I, bigger I, than Hunger Games. It feels... It's definitely better than, like, Divergent or all the other, like, B-tier YA. So I will give it that for sure. And, um, yeah, I just... I don't... I don't know. It's so ambitious, and I do applaud that, but I don't think it can sustain. And I'm not really invested in any of the, like, two beautiful characters yet. I guess, Um, yeah, that's the problem. Everything else is kind of good, but the two leads are fine. Yeah. And the story is kind of like, what are they going after, I guess? So they're wielding these elf stones, (laughs) and they're trying to, uh, well... (laughs) They, I feel like Dave and Katie are just like <laughs> snickering. At well, the no, this is like when people try to explain, like when I see the Warcraft trailer and I'm like, nope, 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 don't get it. Goodbye. This is been, Yeah, this show has probably been funded by the producers of Warcraft to prep <laughs> people like, for how demented Warcraft is going to be. Stuff. Well, actually, playing video games probably prepares you for how weird this show is willing to get. I mean, I really do think it's... It's an interesting move from MTV, you know, like what other types of shows are out there? I mean, this is more like the CW superhero shows, I would say, but for the Game of Thrones fans. I think the closest comparison really is The 100, which is a good show. Uh, It has a more sci-fi vibe and everyone is a little dirtier than than they are in the Shannara Chronicles. But... um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely reaching for and and the, and the Shannara Chronicles are post-apocalyptic, even though they seem deeply, you know, they're elves and um, I don't know trolls and stuff like that. But it is a post-apocalyptic world, also. Yeah, you can walk by the Space Needle. Yeah. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so- got weirder. Wow. <laughs> so where the elves come from? They. Are just around. They've, this is they about do, book in the two, pilot. Katie. <laughs> yeah, in, in the two-hour pilot, they reference humanity as being yeah. this long-forgotten thing. But they've been around long enough that there was magic, and they forgot it. 
and wow. we existed and the space for that. still there yeah that's rotting space in the ground it'll indoors um yeah so it's it, like uh, into the badlands it feels like a weird Same walking creator. dead game of thrones hybrid do you know what i mean just like we're trying to create these things in a lab and also the the shadow chronicles doesn't even lean enough i mean since it is post apocalyptic people say stuff like ooh a lot of sweaty you know, jealous elf boys over there, you know, so they don't even speak in sort of like a high fantasy. That's what I like most about the show. (laughs) You expect everyone to start talking in British accents because this is kind of like Arthurian, you know, or, or Tolkien, yeah, yeah, yeah. a Tolkien riff, but no, they're all talking like just Americans like, Hey, what's up? You're an elf. So am I. How's it going? (laughs) See the elf tree. Yeah, that's cool. Everything has a crazy word. Everything coming out of people's mouths is, is garbage, and yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into it, and, but I'm with <laughs> you, Joanna. I don't know how long my interest will last unless, like, some emotion kind of bleeds through here or some Do you plan to watch mistakes. more episodes? Like, are you... I'm, I'm four episodes in, and oh, people wow. have seen two, so I won't talk too much. But the nice thing about the show is that it scales down a little bit um, so that the adventures don't have to be so grand and the stakes don't have to be so false and huge. And I mean, John Reese Davies is the, is the head elf. He's the King elf, which is jarring because you know him as uh, a dwarf, a, an elf hating dwarf. In fact, no, but yeah. because it's a fantasy series on television, he is legally required to be in it. Uh, so I understand. <laughs> and, but he can turn all that jargon into something really fun. Um, but it can't, last too long so as soon as you kick all these kids out the door kind of have to make stories that are emotional and interesting i don't know if austin butler has the range to he's to pull got, that off but he does have elf stones it takes elf stones it doesn't count for nothing let me make a bet with everyone listening if you decide to watch the shana chronicles i will quiz you six episodes from now and you tell me if you could tell the difference between Amberly's two hot elven uncles, because I <laughs> promise you, I will never be able to tell them apart. One of them is brunette. One of them has a little bit more beard than the other. Yeah, beard. <laughs> and has a drinking problem, I think. One of them has a clingier sweater than the other. That's, that's about <laughs> all I get. So, yeah. Yeah, so that is the uh, Shanara Chronicles. It's on MTV, a channel you might not watch anymore. Uh, unless you no, watch, faithfully you watch. You should certainly Mama. watch Teen Mama. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. That last when part is made Teen sense. Mom on? <laughs> Let's be clear here. When is Teen Mom on? Uh, Mondays, starting the, this past Monday. TMOG. Ooh. That's the key information from this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I listening to American Idiot. Well, great question. Well, when I was around, like home in the suburbs, of driving in a car, and this car had satellite radio, and I was listening to nine, '90s on nine. Or no, oh, not, not '90s on Pop Two K. This is the oh. hits of the, of the early 2000s, <laughs> and Boulevard of Broken Dreams goes on, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, this is great. And now I like Green Day. I don't know what I, I feel like. The lot of Punk fans hate Green Day. People hate it for for bringing it into the pop age and kind of starting this whole pop punk genre and, uh, and all these imitators who are got worse and worse. Um, and Green Green Day may have lost their way. I think people think Dookie is probably their best album. I like yes. Warning, their two thousand album. 
which is just a lot of it's more of the same, but it's a lot of fun with the same. I don't know. Um, and then Green Day had American Idiot in 2004. Uh, and they definitely lost their way between them because they came up with a whole other album that got stolen. And, stolen? And, yeah, they they cut this album and these tapes were stolen. They, and then no one ever solved it. And the, the singles or whatever, the recordings never surfaced online or what? anything. Yeah. There's a lost Green Day album? There's a lost Green Day album. And they were like, should we try and write those songs and record them again? And everyone was like, no, it sucks. And then they went away. Wow. And they were like, what? Because they were all bickering at this time in the... In, after warning in 2000, total panned album, and then everyone was like, "We suck!" And they were fighting within the band, and they all went away and wrote little bits. And then they came out of it being like, "Wait, we should make a concept album like the Who did," and, and we got and American Idiot. Nine times out of ten, that turns out to be the worst idea a band has ever had, and then somehow it worked out for these guys. <laughs> well, so that's my question to you guys. I was listening to American Idiot, and then I started listening to it all the way through, and I'm like, this is an amazing album. I really liked it when it came out in 2004, and the first thing I thought when I was kind of reflecting on my, my renewed love for this album, I never saw the musical, I should say that. I did. It's very much a musical album. Like, I, I like this album because it seems like punk pop Broadway show tunes, and I totally admit that. Um, and, but I wondered if I'm being just the worst type of millennial, like if I should go back to my BuzzFeed list cave oh. and and sulk and enjoy <laughs> and, american and idiot about it you're yes. early you're early to bush era nostalgia though so you'll really you'll hit that on you know you'll be on that first wave and uh get a lot of traffic <laughs> off of that but that's that is the thing <laughs> this album is such bush hatred i yeah. really happy to be like enraged again it, it was such an outlet then and it's an outlet now for confusion and uh and and uh, anger, but also the freedom to be angry and happy that you're angry and pushing back. It's like faux rebellion, but is it faux rebellion? No, it's just it's just young rebellion. Even though the guys singing it are kind of old, you know, Green Day well, started think, in 1987 or something. You know, Green Day's like biggest original hits were about you know, I mean, boredom and suburbia, but also like masturbation and stuff like that, right? And so, you know, well, maybe topics too. They they are, but maybe it's. Maybe it's millennial of me to say that I think American Idiot is a very interesting and sophisticated album from them. I love this album. Um, and not just, you know, the poppy. I think most people just know the stuff they play on the radio. And not that sounds so hipster of me, but like. <laughs> That's um, definitely what I know. For right. Yeah. American yeah. Idiot and Bullet of Broken Dreams are the big yeah. singles. And, ho- they're and not Holiday. The best songs. Oh, and yeah. Holiday. I guess but like. And, the and, long songs. And they're good. They're catchy. But yeah, Jesus of Suburbia is like eight minutes long. Um, yeah, it's a really weird album. I really, really like it. Um, Dave, am I a total poser for yeah. like this album? I don't know if you're a total poser. <laughs> I fall. I mean, I'm intrigued by what you're saying and sort of by what Katie was saying about like Bush being early to Bush era nostalgia, because it wasn't an album for me when it came out and then the musical came out and I revisited the album and it still wasn't an album for me without seeing the musical. And I listened to it again today and I'm still not sure it's the album for me, but I do recognize a lot more stuff in it now this third time around that has to be like weird nostalgia flags that I planted for myself in the past because I'm not sure that like in terms of the whole pop punk band going crazy and infighting and finding themselves through a weird conceptual album. I'm still a bigger fan of Blink 182's self-titled album, which went through the exact same process. They didn't have their oddly album en- stolen. Oddly enough, this album came out 
be, well, kind of sprung out of Green Day going on tour with Blink-182. Yeah, I mean, uh, I and think then they were like, yeah, I think they took some of that, but they were also, they wanted to throw back to the Beatles, so they spent 10 months cutting it. It's very weird. Yeah, it was, and I mean, that sort of thing makes it exactly the sort of, uh, like, musical endeavor that I'm willing to spend some time on. So it says a lot that I have revisited for three times, despite the fact that I don't think I actually like the songs. So in in, in that sense, I could totally see how, like, you know, you're driving around the holidays and American Idiot hits you again and, like, takes you somewhere. Because I've recently found myself, I mean, I don't know, like, listening to old Rage Against the Machine and being like, where's the music that makes me feel revolutionary but also not necessarily bad about being who i am because it seems it seems like you know right now there's a lot of serious problems and it's really hard to do stuff from a middle class seat and there isn't a lot of therefore all music that's being made to that target audience is like about partying or getting rich or you know, sexting or God, I obviously don't don't even know. <laughs> it's, but it's like not a, it's not at all interesting. Whereas if this was like the American Idiot is a great album because it's all this angst from a position of complete powerlessness, and I feel like that narrative it's not less valid, but it, it doesn't come up as much now as it did during like the Bush hmm. era. Yeah, well, the uh, the nostalgia element that I got just listening to it briefly before we recorded is just the music doesn't sound like this anymore. Like that pop punk is just gone from pop radio entirely. Like rock is basically gone from pop radio. So you listen to that and remember this being a big hit. And I think it won some Grammys or was at least nominated for them. Like it really does feel like such a different era now. And 2004 to me doesn't feel like that long ago. But you listen to that and you realize it is a long time ago and we've all <laughs> aged, etc. What what counts as pop punk or pop? Yeah, Good Charlotte, like like, <laughs> right now? like oh, like I don't know, like Out Boy, are they around? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna look at the Billboard Hot 100 and see. Like, I think who, pop punk is gone. Like I'm that? trying to find a song that like on the Hot 100 it, like has a electric guitar in it. Like a uh, oh, I mean, I know, like, uh, like, but didn't like pop punk become screamo? And then oh. Screamo became like the whole Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, like sec- whatever wave they're calling themselves. Well, like the, the Strokes hung in so. there for a while, but kind so of doing rock, their own thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I can't, I mean, I don't know some of Somewhere songs. someone who knows better is really frustrated right now at this I entire <laughs> conversation. <laughs> well, Green Day's still around, so. Are they? Right? Are they? I. Yeah, no, no. According I mean, to their Wikipedia page, they performed in Cleveland, Ohio in 2015. So they are just fine. That's it. That's the place. Um, I um, I will say on behalf of someone who saw the musical, that was a garbage musical. Really? <laughs> I really like that album. But no, as far as Jukebox musical, so I saw John Gallagher Jr. in it um, in Berkeley before it went to Broadway. So maybe they workshopped it and got better. But um, it's just... You know, you watch those jukebox musicals that, like, the plot just does not hang around the songs in any feasible way. You know, they're just bending, they're contorting to get to the next song. And, uh, you know, uh, but watching John Gallagher Jr. perform Green Day was a pleasure. So, yeah, there you go. Well, to wrap up, now that you've all assured me that this this album, I'm not crazy for enjoying Green Day's American Idiot. What's the best song on Green Day's American Idiot? Joanna. Jesus of (laughs) Suburbia. Jesus really? of Suburbia is like their, I mean, it's not nowhere as good, but it's like a Abbey Road where it's like five songs strung together. 
It's really That's good. I like Homecoming. I'm on the other. I'm, I guess I'm the other song, the other mega song on the album, where yeah. they're just screaming about. Um, what do they scream at the end? They scream, we're coming home again. That's very, that's very, that touches me. As you drive around the, su- the suburban streets of your childhood. Yes, as I pull into my parents' uh, driveway. <laughs> we're coming home again. Yeah. Anyway, American Idiot. catch up with you guys it's been a while since we really talked and uh well i guess we just talked for two whole segments but now we're gonna talk about bullshit because i just wanted to know what you know we all go home we all do our thing on our holidays and uh we 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 sometimes play catch up we discover new things i don't know what did you guys watch read listen to that uh i might give a shit about over your over your holidays since it's christmas time right now anyway yeah, still Christmas. Tis the season to talk about this I kind heard, of stuff. I heard it's still Christmas. Christmas Katie, too. what did you, Katie? What did you do? You went, you went home. Yeah, and you I did. Sat around with your family. And you heard them watch The Revenant. I heard That's them watch The Revenant and Brooklyn and The Big Short, all of which I had seen. So I didn't get a lot new on that front, but I did finish reading All the Light We Cannot See, which yes. is a big book from last year. Uh, it won the Pulitzer. It won something. So good. That's definitely an award. Uh, <laughs> definitely won. It won an award that exists. Maybe the um, National Book Award. It won. The, it won the Pulitzer for fiction. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's a. I have this weird trend of like picking up books that I want to read, and then they turn out to be related to World War II somehow. I don't know why I keep reading World War II books or seeing World War II you movies. Accidentally keep. Well, like I had heard about. I had, I had heard this book. I heard the title. Heard it was good, and I was like looking for something to put on my Kindle before getting on the plane. And I was like, okay, good that. And I had no idea what it was about. Um, and it is kind of these parallel stories of a uh, blind girl who's growing up in Paris and has evacuated to this tiny French seaside town and kind of kicks off, uh, not D-Day, but a little bit after D-Day when the American forces are kind of bombing the French coastline. And then a German boy who's about the same age who is kind of tra- not the hit- tra- not trailing as a Hitler youth, but like a similar like you know, boarding school for young German boys to become powerful soldiers of the Reich. Um, and kind of like their stories are told parallel for a long, long time until they uh, inevitably intersect. Um, it's just really lovely writing. It's the kind of story that, I mean, who knows, maybe they'll try to turn it into a movie someday, but it really feels like the kind of book that you read and you're like, ah, this is why we have books and not movies because it's so internal. You've got this blind character and kind of all this really evocative language about this period of time that's been written about a lot and filmed a lot, but there's always new stories to find in there. It expands a lot of time. It was so good. Joanna, you liked it too? I loved it. I read it like over a weekend and uh, I couldn't put it down. It, sometimes when books are so popular, I fall tra- fall trap of like, there's no way I'm going to like it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of those huge books that I just really loved. And I felt the exact same way when I finished it. I was like, great. They can't make a movie out of this. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, I think the last book that I felt this way about, and it was also super popular, was Station Eleven, which I listened to. Like, I got it from the library and listened to it, and it was really uh, enrapturing in that way. Um, and it, it had kind of the same humanity and, like, wide scope of storytelling that will never make a good movie, but makes such a great book. Yeah. 
mean, they will try. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, who Spielberg. will star in the movie that they force? Oh my god, um, you need like well, it takes place over time. It takes place over time, but like primarily, their like main characters are teenagers, like French and German teenagers. I don't know. I can't really. All I can think of is the book thief, which is terrible, and people say I it's know. a great book. So <laughs> I only I only saw the movie. Yeah. Um, well, if any of the characters have pointy ears, the cast of Shanara <laughs> is up for uh, <laughs> up, up very, for anything. Very if I could, attractive. If I could time travel, I'd put Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse. 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 Didn't she already do her, like, rolls through time thing with uh, Atonement? Yeah, but... Oh, I guess that's why she's good. God, speaking of books that were movies that were... Yeah, but wait, actually, that's a book that is great, and also the movie was great, so... I, like I have nothing movie. bad to say about either. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else that I caught up on. Like, you didn't watch anything. I mean, I watched those screeners in the back. We watched Elf. That's like, oh yeah, and I watched a lot of I watched a lot of football, which was, I mean, that's what I, I don't know. Consuming culture is not my family's top priority when I'm um, home on vacation. It's a lot of sitting around and talking and playing cards. Told them about concussion. Yeah, I told them not to watch concussion. Wow. Is that what you want to I mean, about? I liked Concussion, uh, kind of. I forgot it the next day, but it was good in the moment. Will Smith's tell, good. It was already something I believe in. Tell the truth, Patches. <laughs> it's fine. It's just fine. I mean, when I brought home my screeners and they were like, oh, how's Concussion? And I was like, eh, don't. Don't do it. You just threw it in the trash. Yeah. But uh, oh. my brother-in-law watched Car- Cartel Land, which I've still failed to see. So he actually did better than I did. Wow. Well, no. who else failed? So, I did anyone? some puzzles. That was fun. <laughs> Katie, stay at the sanatorium. I did some puzzles. <laughs> Listen, doing a puzzle is like the best way to be like, I have nothing else I have to be doing right now. I'm going to do really a fucking fun. puzzle. It's great. It's I great. highly recommend puzzles. I spent most of my, my holiday playing board games, so I can't really. See, it's really nice to step away from like forcibly, consu- not forcibly, but like yeah. saying like, I'm not consuming any culture. I don't care if I do. And then do something else. But that's still culture. A board game is culture. Sure. I mean, I played a lot of cards. That was great. I um, I didn't quite... Uh, I I didn't watch any TV, really, which was so nice. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I watched a ton of movies, but it was just kind of joyous to sort of take a break. Like, I I just didn't want to beat myself up for the shows that I missed and, like, have to binge watch Narcos or Sensate or something <laughs> like that over Christmas. I was just like, I'm just going to let them go. And they're just gone, and it's yep. fine. I've done that with many TV shows, <laughs> but I watched, including I watched, Sensate and Narcos. Yeah, but I watched a ton of movies uh, to try to catch up, like Big Short and Joy and Chirac and all of that stuff. But uh, I want to hear about this movie theater that you've been Instagramming from. Oh, it's just my local cinema. And when I moved here, they were like a nothing. I mean, they always had good taste in movies and they do like the NT Live and the Met Opera and stuff like that. But um, it was just a nothing theater. And slowly over the years, they've converted it into now they serve amazing food and now they serve beer. So I just kind of want and wine. You can buy a whole bottle of wine and take it into the theater if you want to. That is glorious. And it's not like the Alamo Draft House. Like, there aren't tables or anything like that. It's just a normal movie theater, but you can put a bottle of wine in your cup holder if you want to. So, um, yeah. So, I've just, you know, everyone's been really wanting to try it out. So, it's been really nice. So, we got to get you a lot of flexible curly straws. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, for my bottle of wine. Well, that th- it's really it's been really nice actually because that theater is usually quite empty. I'm usually like one of the only ones there, and I've been going, and, and movies have been sold out, and it's just sort of bustling. And this part of that has to do with the holidays and like 
college age kids being home and all that sort of stuff. But it was just really nice to, it was sort of this like piazza experience. That sounds so you've got mail talking about chain bookstores, but you know, (laughs) just like everyone is just there and talking about movies and talking to each other about movies. It was so great. Uh, The other thing I did is, is my boyfriend is on an ongoing mission to get me into video games. So as a second, I think second Christmas in a row, he's gotten me like feminist video games. Uh, so he got me her story, which is amazing. And, and Patches, I know your your fiance is playing it right now. Yeah, she was very excited to tweet at you about yeah. also playing it. Yeah, it's really and David Ehrlich really liked it. It's I don't crazy. know anything about it. It's an it, okay. It's crazy. It's this. Um, it's a narrative game, and it's uh, you know one woman talking to a camera. It's like a police. It's from like the '90s police interrogation over se- like throughout a month. And it's really filmed, woman. right? It's, and it's really filmed. So it's an actress talking huh. in like '90s clothing, and basically it's a database. And you're like you're now trying to figure out what happened with this crime. So you're given like five videos, and she's she and it from different. It's all told out of order. So you're just little snippets, and then you have to do keyword searches to try to investigate into what happened. And it pulls up new videos. Um, and sometimes you do a keyword search and nothing comes up, but you're like, oh, you know, they reveal that this person's name is Simon. So I'll type in Simon and see what happens. And it's really, really engrossing. Wait, and- how do you play this? This sounds like something that I would actually play. Yeah, just uh, you can download onto your iPad and just like, to, or sweet, yeah, iPhone. and just or iPhone and just type it. Yeah, you're basically just typing in keywords and watching playing detective. It's really really fun. Uh, also, got into Room, which I'm a million years late to, but that's just like a puzzle, you know. Oh, not from, see, I went back to movies. All right. Oh, know. sorry, no, not not Room. I think it's, it's the tie-in the video room. game from Room. <laughs> <laughs> you have Escape to room. point at objects and say goodbye wardrobe. <laughs> Goodbye, chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I framed, think. framed, which is a really fun like riff on comic books, where you you have to like move panels around in order to change the story. Uh, yeah, so these are just like weird out of the box video games, which is like his way of convincing me. The last one he got me to play was Gone Home, which is also a really really cool narrative game. So there's just, I mean, like you, it's not just like fragging people all the time in video games. And I know I'm video certainly games. not the first person You're to say that. Blowing up aliens anymore? Exactly. Her story is just it's it's phenomenal. Uh, Kitty, I think you'd really like it. I'm literally putting it on my phone right now. Now okay. we we never talked about Joy, and since you mentioned Joy, I'm curious because Katie, you've seen it too. Yeah. Dave, have you seen? No, I've not. No, no, I haven't either. So I just very quickly want to know what the deal with Joy is because no one's talking about it. I uh, liked it, and yeah. everyone I saw it with, like the whole theater liked it. Um, and Katie told me that she liked it more than most people, so I was prepared to like it because Katie has good taste. Um, yeah, I liked it. I I was like ready for the weirdness. It's very weird. Mm. Yeah, what do people not like about or like what what is Are you not twist? seen it, What is this movie hiding? No, I don't know. Well, it's it's very weird. I mean, it's weird like you're saying, but like in a way where you're like, why aren't you telling a story like a normal person? Like, why aren't you just making the movie that seems like it's right there? Like, it's like it's turning into the story about this whole weird family and it's like kind of plot lines drop in and out and people vanish for a while and like something seems like a big deal and then it's just gone and you don't know why. And then there's this section in the middle where she goes to QVC, which is, you know, where the real joy kind of found her fame. They've got Bradley Cooper's there, Melissa Rivers is there playing Joan Rivers, and it's really lively and feels like a whole different movie. And it's just got this really jumbled up messiness to it that 
I thought it had enough coherence being a story about joy that I kind of gave it a pass. But I, I think that messiness is what is driving people crazy. It's like they've kind of hit the wall with David or Russell. And they're like, dude, you have to make a normal movie. You can't keep doing this. Yeah, I think that um, I think Jennifer Lawrence and it it pains me to say this because she's so popular, but she's just so good. <laughs> that you you just like anchored to her and her struggle and her happiness and her frustrations throughout the whole thing that it just it works for me anyway. And I will tell you this: this is my ringing endorsement. I ordered a Miracle Mop. Um, well, I looked for a Miracle Mop, and they just they just brought them back. Like she yeah. did a whole thing over the weekend. She sold like two hundred fifty thousand Miracle Mops on the Home Shopping Network this weekend because of Jennifer Lawrence, probably. But yeah, yeah I bought a Miracle Mop. <laughs> but at the same time, like Joy is not going to get like any Oscar love, and I'm totally fine yeah. with that. Like I really yeah. am ready for David. O- like I have not liked any of David O. Russell's post-fighter movies as much as I like I Heart Hockey Beats are flirting with disaster and I'm kind of ready for this phase to be over I really liked Edgar Ramirez a lot in it yes and, yeah I missed him did, I didn't even need Bradley Cooper so you know yeah I really liked Bradley Cooper I mean he was fine but I was glad that he was like well there was no really like a lead leading man I guess De Niro but um and then Isabel Rossellini plays this like Oh, it's almost grotesque. It's gr- like it's so weird. I yeah, really... it's, no, her character makes no sense. Although someone yeah. said it was like uh, what happened to her character from Thirty Rock after she divorced Jack Donaghy. Like she just stretched <laughs> and like had a yacht. <laughs> yeah, which amuses me. It's great. Dave, what did you do on your holiday break, vacation, uh, working holiday, well, just regular I, week? I mean, hell, what that was all the things that I just experienced in order. Where there was like a working holiday and then a regular week and then a vacation. Um, <laughs> uh, I caught up on some movies. Uh, I let's see what did I, I saw the Hateful Eight, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more. But I did the whole roadshow thing, which uh, was totally worth it just from an experience standpoint. And that was definitely the Your first film thing. didn't blow up in a fireball. No, there was the, like the film print. There was some issues really early on, really? but luckily my staff caught it and corrected it. Um, which means they must have been like, you know, on the lookout for that sort of thing happening, which is probably part of the installation they had to do to play the seventy millimeter. Anyway, uh movie aside, that was a good way to introduce me back into the non Star Wars theater because up until then I'd just been seeing Star Wars. Um, <laughs> How many times have you seen it? Uh just three. Okay, and then I also saw it for a third time. Over, I took my in-laws. Yes, I would like to go Star for Wars. a third time. Going with not, the family, they were not good. impressed. Going, your, going with your in-laws weren't impressed at all. Out different. No, they were not. They, they were not that impressed. And what's even weirder is they really, really wanted to see it. Wow! Like my my future father-in-law was like, you know what? I never see movies, and I want to see it. My future father-in-law is Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> 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 so uh, and he really wanted to see it, and he was disappointed. Oh, well, well. You're, uh, your fiancé is a tough customer, too, so this, uh, this might make it's sense. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw the well, big short. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Wait, wait, what'd you say? Oh, I was just trying to remember what it was Michelle hated recently. Oh, Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max. That's right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Dave, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I saw, saw the big short. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, the most entertaining way to learn about the financial crisis and didn't really, I think, have any illusions besides being that. And then I listened uh, to your guys' review episode and mostly agree with uh, bits Hi. and pieces of everyone. Hi. My, uh, my parents and Lin-Laws all watched the big short and loved it. So that's it. I think uh, that was ringing endorsement. I think that was the best Christmas 
like decision you could have made, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they were all they all really wanted to see it, and like we put it on, and like even my dad, who like can barely sit still through a movie, uh, I'm starting to think Big Short is best picture material. Just gonna. I mean, what? The (laughs) Oscar fodder. Do all the Oscar talk while David's gone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm. 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 I, you know, my prediction, my way, way too early prediction was Bridge of Spies, which, you know, got some PGA yeah, awards, could it's, still, uh, it's, it could, get that, could uh, secretly triumph. But now I think it's Big Short. Anyway, any fart. Um, I also saw Brooklyn, which was pleasant, but I yawned the majority of the way through. <laughs> <laughs> How many times exactly did you yawn? Did I yawn? Um, <laughs> How many times did you check your watch? Yes. Oh, I don't. I didn't. Denver movie guru. I didn't check my watch ever because that would just have been rude. But to the movie that can't see you, (laughs) or to you know anybody who's sitting next to. Sure, sure. Or just you know, like because he watches all. They all light up these days. I'm not one of the people who has a wristwatch. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it could have done for me that would have in, enraptured me more because its narrative was really pleasant and uh, everybody who was in it delivered great performances that I connected to. Maybe I just didn't get enough sleep the night before or something. But it, you know, it's, it it wasn't it didn't register good or bad to me. It just kind of Brooklyn happened and that that day. I've heard a lot of people say that, that, and then uh, like it sticks with them, and then like later because for me like i saw it and i was like oh that was lovely and then i keep returning to it again and again um and i watched it again with my parents and loved it again so i don't know that it maybe it'll, maybe them. it'll maybe it'll just, grow on you you know how like you know david talks about how carol sort of like reached into his like rib cage and reanimated his heart mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how i feel about brooklyn i feel like it like carol didn't touch me that way but brooklyn really did it just i sort of gently wept through the whole thing <laughs> um, <laughs> Not because it was just so sad, but it was just it poignant, I think, is the word. And for me, anyway, I just really, really identified. And I know someone else, a, a male, actually, who felt the same way. Just It just really, really got to him. So Don't yeah. tell this to David, because last night we were at a party, and David found out that someone put Brooklyn on their top ten and not Carol, and I thought he was going to have a meltdown. <laughs> oh, wow. I almost did that, so... Wow, <laughs> he would be very offended by that notion. I mean, I would put I would put Carol there, but it, not because it touched me, because it's just a beautiful piece of art. But Brooklyn really like got to me, you know. So yeah, there's something in it I didn't recognize. Uh, maybe yeah. it's the maleness thing, or maybe it's being raised in the West, or maybe it's both my family's immigrant stories are so completely different from that. Um, I that, thought you were Irish, no. No, I'm uh, Me- Mexican Norwegian. Oh, but yeah. I mean, like, for Sorry. me, it was like, oh, m- like me going to college or like me moving to New York. It, like, there's a like, you know, I'm not an immigrant by any stretch of the imagination, but like, there's a way to relate to that, like being far from what home was and having to find what a new home is that that I t- definitely touched on. Oh yeah, and then it, for me, it was just a completely different experience where it's like it might just be a maleness thing where it's like you're the firstborn son, time to go make something of yourself. I would have never go gone west, back. young man. Go <laughs> east, young man. Yeah, no. If my brother died, I would have been like, oh man, you're gonna bury me without me, huh? <laughs> and like, oh, yeah. So maybe maybe that's just it. But it was beautiful, and the performances in it are wonderful. So I don't. It's not a waste of anybody's time. You guys should roll the dice if you haven't uh, checked out Brooklyn. And then I spent Emery the rest Cohen of. Emery Cohen is the uh, surprising dreamboat. Sorry. I yeah. Was also we, 
we we were talking about Emery Cohen earlier today. We were talking about Marissa Tomei, and uh, I. I have never been so shocked to IMDb someone after a movie than I was when I found out he was the kid in Smash. Like, oh. he was so bad in Smash and so dreamy in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. Java, just, Java just kicked me for giving a lukewarm review to Brooklyn. So apparently oh, people actually do like it. Uh, <laughs> that were even at my screening. Look at that. <laughs> I'm glad um, someone can knock some sense into you. Yeah, she tries. Uh, I spent the rest of my break, I guess, split between two media things. One, we might talk about with Patches, but it was uh, Making a Murder on Netflix because I was like, true crime and Netflix. I'm going to have three days where this is relevant. Yeah, so, we're going to have to have a long talk. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about, about that one. I'm, ve- I'm very down on it. I mean, it's an interesting Spoiler. piece in, in, in ter- as far as true crime goes. <clears throat> true crime goes. I think it's worth the investment you put into it like other notable true crime things. But he, neither here nor there. The other thing is I've been writing a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, which involves <laughs> reading so many books. Uh, so the, I have the about monsters. Dungeons and Dragons or about another topic that informs your Dungeons and Dragons campaign about Dungeons and Dragons. So like now they've released a plethora of books for the fifth edition that you could use to make your campaign. So there's the player's handbook, which you need to make, you know, all the players, but it also has all the spells in it. So I kind of needed the player's handbook too. And just to know more about the races, you have the dungeon masters, uh, handbook, which, has all the magical items as well as basically like the rules you have the monster manual which has all the different monsters that can appear and then the sword coast adventure guide which is like the lore of the different time periods you could set adventures in and so i've been not only like reading those but trying to put them into game mechanics with my specific players and i've been trying to be a character-based dm rather than like a combat-based dm Oh, cool. And so I've been Emphasis trying to... Emphasis on story. Well, yeah. I so will... I'll text my players like during the holidays and be like, what do you think your character would do yep, with this? That's, just, that's what my DM is all about. Yeah. it's Following up. <laughs> I think I'm going to age the play, maps for them. I would play a Shannara Chronicles campaign. <laughs> I was just about to say, Dave, <laughs> have you heard of the show Shannara Chronicles? <laughs> From what I've be. heard, the class system is all messed up. <laughs> You're an elf. You're an elf. You're an elf. You're an elf. Everyone's an elf. Uh, but yeah, that's been super fun, especially for the gaming part of my mind that is trying to not like I want. I want to have a good story, and I have definitely, I guess, more experience, I guess, doing that. But I don't have a good, a lot of experience with like the the actual numbers and dice rolling, and so I'm kind of worried that you know, like, I might kill everybody, or that it might be so easy that like they won't even get to half the story. So it's been fun trying to put all the caulking in between the basic bricks that are provided by these books in the few weeks I've had. I wonder if if because we spend our time watching TV and movies so often that we do retreat to something like gaming more often, which is still kind of narrative, but it's more interactive. It's, it's, we get to, t- I don't know. Is that a weird theory? Well, I've been reading this book. Uh, what is it? It's called Extra Lives. It's about game criticism theory. And he's talking about how it's like mm-hmm. the, the purpose of narrative in a game is so much different than the purpose of narrative in something fixed like cinema. Where it's like something like Left for Dead actually has a lot of story, even though it's all about gameplay, because the storytelling is also ultimately about like sharing an experience or a thought. 
and you don't need a whole bunch of exposition or something like you know a large RPG game like Mass Effect has to necessarily make a game with a good full story. And so it's just different ways of thinking about it. Like I could sit down and watch Brooklyn, and if I don't engage with it, then it's going to be a very pretty piece of art. But you know, if I get plopped down in you know a room in room and have to interact with things, I'm going to have to engage with it, and that's oh. sort of also story, just from a different angle. But is there like a narrative thread to board games that uh, you either uh, project onto a board game or that a board game like inherently? has just, even if it doesn't have a narrative aspect well, to it. I mean Pat just wants to rope Katie's puzzling into this unified theory. Yeah, no, that what we're not, talking about? no, it's not just Katie's puzzling because what I, I spent most of my, my holiday playing board games and I played a lot of this game Splendor, which is a, a kind of card. It's it's basically like a card game that feels closest to chess because you're collecting gems and you're buying them with the gems you collect, and you have to think like five moves ahead if you want to get the higher points. You're basically working your way up, uh, and, and gems are worth different points, and it's like chess, but there's absolutely no narrative aspect to it, but I kind of think, oh, why am I collecting gems? I, it just crosses my mind when I'm playing the game, and you bring, you bring your, That's your narrative you instincts Settler, Settlers of Catan, there's a narrative there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I always get invested in the story of a Catan game. Um, but yeah, I also played games with actual narratives. I played this game that's called, uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is actually published by Wizards of the Coast, which does D&D, which Dave was yeah. just talking about. And it's very much like D&D, if D&D, like, had tiles that, so you could set up the rooms that you go into and basically did all the hard work for you. It's a haunted house game. Um, it's like playing a video game without the, the video part. I would highly recommend it. But yeah. It's card-based or? Uh, well, there's cards, there's board pieces, there's right. die rolling. Okay. It's the whole It's the whole shebang. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I played a lot of freaking games. Um, like Mexican, Mexican Train Dominoes, that was fun. Mexican <laughs> Train Dominoes? Yeah. What's a Mexican Train Dominoes? It's basically, I mean, it's basically Dominoes that's just got like various rules about how you're like connecting them and why and you're competing against other people. This is going to sound like, like a joke, but my parents honestly just call it Train. That <laughs> sounds like a joke. <laughs> I can't even repeat that. <laughs> uh, uh, you can buy like a set of it at Target that says Mexican Trade Dominoes. It's uh, it's fun. Have you ever played Egyptian Rats Grew? Yeah. Oh, it's been a like in high school. I, I don't remember any of the rules. Just call it Rats Grew. Probably. Whoa. I have an Egyptian friend. I'll ask him. Yes. Ask uh, him. About I'm sure they're I like what the. Do that. Well, he like grew up here, so he probably played it, it in high school buses just like the rest of us. Yeah. It's also called French Slap, I learned recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Well, Patches, well, you got a lot of information from us. Ooh la la. I did. Well, I'll speed through things that I did. I have, I have not gotten much reading done in 2015. I hope to reverse that in 2016. But I read part of a book that I'm, I'm getting increasingly into the frontier. And it has nothing to do with The Revenant. The Revenant came. I probably dislike The Revenant more because You're I'm. You're coming to visit, aren't you? I just, yes, I, except I'm walking there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really interested in, I've been, uh, I spent my break trying to research uh, like old, not old West music, but like early 20th century composers who were trying to find sounds that identified America. Um, so I was trying to find the sound, like if there were 
uh, Native American composers. Um, and I found a few, like Arthur Farwell was this guy, kind of an Aaron Copeland type who was, but he was composing music, you can find it all on Spotify, that was trying to f- take American Indian uh, melodies or musical ideas and, and adding them into compose classical music of that time. Um, there's another guy, Virgil Thompson, who did that. Um, and there are some present day uh, Native American composers who are kind of uh, taking new music ideas and melding them with these same kind of classic Native American sounds. And so on top of that, I read this book called The Frontiersman from 1967. I'm still reading through it. That's very much, you know, not not the Daniel Boone narrative, but it's it's one character is a Native American. And the other is a, you know, drifter wandering through the forest. And I don't know what an interesting time that it, you never, we don't really see it on screen ever. Cause it's kind of a big idea that you'd have to blockbuster, but no one's really going to do that. You should uh, read the book, the revenant. It's pretty good. I liked it, but I mean, I, I, I really like the movie, but I think the book is better narrative wise than the the movie. Yeah, ultimately disappointed by that one. I think we'll talk about it eventually. But oh, you read the oh yeah, you didn't read the book though. No, I have not read yeah. the book. Need to need to get there. I guess. I uh, mean, you don't need to, but if you were interested in the frontier, it is an interesting book about the frontier. There you I'm, go. I I'm have to read it. Tr- I'm trying to do 52 books in 2016. 52 Man. books in 52 weeks. We're, I'm I'm gonna fail spectacularly. You and Joe Reed need to talk. He's doing 365 <laughs> movies in 365. Oh, nice. That's nuts. Nice. Um, but so I started with a brief. History of Seven Killings uh, by Marlon James, uh, and that is a behemoth of a novel. So I cheated, and I'm also reading Brian Selznick's um, The Marvels. And Brian Selznick, Ooh, uh, I can't yeah. wait to read that. Uh, it's gorgeous. So Brian Selznick did the invention of Hugo Cabaret and also Wonderstruck. He does like mostly illust. It's like half illust. Or no, I don't know if it's half math, but dense, it's half. like it's half. yeah, yeah, dense, dense illustrations, and then pro, and then pages of prose. Uh, invention of Hugo Cabaret was turned into the movie Hugo. But um, his books are just these beautiful works of art, but pretty quick to read because it's a lot of drawings. Um, and yeah, so those are the two books I'm reading right now. But we'll see if I make it 52 books in 52 weeks. It's tough. I, I don't have. I don't think I have the stamina. I don't think I can push through. I've never been a quick reader. Uh, but hopefully this year, more books. So if people read good books, tweet them at me. I would also like to read more books. And I also need to go to the library and renew my library card, which will help with all of this. The future of books is library. Listen, Brooklyn uh, Public Library has excellent uh, Kindle lending library. There you go. Katie, you might want to start with the Shannara Chronicle. Ah, yeah, I've heard, 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 heard of such a thing. Get yourself some elf stones. Heard tell of beautiful elves. Sad, I, I want more fantasy like that, too. I wish I had spent my holiday watching old fantasy movies. Instead, I watched It Follows a second time. Katie, you still have not seen this movie. Too scared. It I is watched it the first time. Great. I mean, I really so liked great. it the first time, and watching it kind of while playing a game <laughs> uh, in the background. I mean, it's so well composed. The score is terrifying, and oh my god, the shot when one of the follow guys is like creeping through the door. Holy shit, that movie's scary. Um, and then I watched Love and Mercy. Did you guys see Love and Mercy? This yeah, maybe Paul Dano, Dano gets a uh, Oscar nom movie. I have no problem with Paul Dano. It's not, I agree with you that it's not a great movie, but it's. Uh, I have no problem with Paul Dano getting an Oscar nod for it. People out of the loop, it is the biopic of Brian Wilson, the uh, member of the Beach Boys, who was kind of their uh, their musical genius, writing all their music. Uh, and it mostly concentrates on him 
going crazy, or at least he's not a paranoid schizophrenic. That's what the uh, elder abuse that happens to him later in life kind of pins him as uh, these these horrifying people, uh, including a psychologist, maybe a court-appointed psychologist played by Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's uh, second role in 2015 of playing yeah. a, uh, a terrible guy who ruins the life of a musician. <laughs> yes, uh, he, he says that Brian Wilson has... Uh, schizophrenia but that is apparently not the case but brian wilson was hearing voices in his head around the time that he was composing and building pet sounds one of the kind of legendary albums of the beach boys and of all time um and then yeah so you kind of jump back and forth between paul dano is young brian wilson and john cusack is older brian wilson and it's fine it's really okay oren moverman wrote it and he's done i mean several amazing films i, I guess i Wow. Well, God, what is his um, the messenger? I'm not there. I'm not there. Oh, yeah. Uh, he wrote uh, Todd Haynes, which I think is really experimental and interesting and a great approach to the biopic. Yeah, he did the messenger, which is just fine. He has he takes um, really serious topics and, and breaks them apart and reassembles them in interesting ways. But for this one, just the, the two sides of the coin, I don't know. Didn't really didn't really go deep enough. But Paul Dano is very wonderful. And the Beach Boys. Who knew? They're kind of good, I guess. Are they real? That know. sounds really that brilliant. I mean, it's, it's no American good. Idiot, so no, okay, absolutely well. not. American Idiot's <laughs> greatest album of all time. <laughs> you that know, guy who was angry in the middle segment had just calmed down. You guys, <laughs> American Idiot is so good that millions of years later, in the era of Shot on a Rock, they're still listening to it as they walk past the Space Needle. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "What's that playing?" Oh, that sounds will have been long forgotten. <laughs> Well, that's the holidays. I guess that, that we did a lot of stuff. We, we, we thought we didn't do anything. We did so much. And people should tell us what they did and if they found anything interesting that we need to go back and watch in 2016. And please find some books for me and Patches to read. Please. That does it for today's Fighting in the War Room. Welcome back to 2016. It's going to be a good year. Uh, we'll be back on Friday talking about The Hateful Eight, another Frontier movie for Yeehaw. Sad Patch's Fascination. Uh, Dave has a lot of insight into it living in Colorado, so it's going to be fun. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. We'll start with Joanna, our guest. I'm Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Um, and I guess you can hang out with everyone in Fighting the War Room over on Facebook.com slash what? Fighting the War Room. Well done. <laughs> uh, and I'm Matt Patches. I'm the Thrillist.com, And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. We have a website, fightinginthewarroom.com. You can share the episodes. You can comment on them. You can tell us the books to read. Or you can just write Shanara, Shanara, Shanara over and over and over again until your heart desires. Uh, anyway, fightinginthewarroom.com. You could. We read and approve or not approve all those comments, <laughs> and no matter how many times you write. And cup- Shana, all, right. <laughs> <laughs> all of those be accepted. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. I spell my first name DA7E. That's also my Twitter handle. I write for geek.com and latino-review.com. We also have a ton of other podcasts that we host at fightinginthewarroom.com. After like a year of doing side podcasts, you can check out some Star Wars specials, some Thought Bubble, that's about me and Joanna about comics, some Storm of Spoilers if you're into Game of Thrones, and you get to hear our completely accurate, although now no longer accurate, prediction that Book 6 was going to come out before the new season. Check it out. You were onto something, for sure. We were. 
Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me also at VanityFair.com. And I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-C-H. And all of us are on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where you can talk to us about Shanara and everything else, or also just answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Natalie Dormer's The Forest, who is the prevailing modern scream queen? Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you on Friday. I hope you had the time of your life.